from Los Angeles, California. This is the Writer's Strike Chronicles, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Sunday, January 20th, 2008, day 77 of the Writer's Strike. Today, Bill and I speak to Strike Captain Andrew Goldberg at the picket line in front of Fox Studios. Before we begin, a couple of news and notes. First up, just before I went to record this voiceover, I received an email from Jen Cummings, the community outreach coordinator from fansforwriters.com, asking me to promote the following announcement. So here it is. Fans have been invited to picket with the writers at NBC Burbank on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is tomorrow, Monday, January 21st. So if you're a fan and you're listening to this podcast, please join me and the mass of picketing writers at NBC. All fans in the Los Angeles area and beyond are urged to join in on the picket. Here's the details. It's going to be at NBC Burbank. The picketing shifts are from 2.30 to 5.30 p.m. And the address is 3000 West Alameda Avenue, and that's in Burbank, California. The meeting point is the check-in table, which is located on Bob Hope Drive in Johnny Carson Park. And as for parking, there's street parking on Bob Hope and Riverside Drive. For more information on the picket location and schedule, it can be found at the WGA website at www.wga.org. And you can also find the link by going to the Fans for Writers website at www.fans4writers.com. Okay, so we hope to see you there. Next up is a follow-up message I received from my listener, Michael Horn, from Savannah, Georgia. Hey, Tanya, this is Michael Hart again. You know, I just want to give you a call back. Um, I forgot to tell you how I found out about it. I drive a truck from Savannah, Georgia to Valdosta, Georgia uh, every night, about three and a half hours. And uh, if you've heard of Savannah, you'll know it from Forrest Gump. They filmed it there, or here rather. And uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil was a story about Savannah. But anyway... Uh, I drive a truck for a living, and I drive at night, so I listen to podcasts, and I listen to NPR, and after a couple weeks after the strike started, I got really perturbed because I wasn't hearing anything about the strike. Now, they did talk to a uh, florist who serviced different shows like Desperate Housewives and all, but I was like, where's the news about the writers? So um, I just went to my iTunes, and I searched for uh, the writer strike, and uh came up with you and also came up with uh, United Hollywood Live. They got a pretty good show. Some of their audio is hard to hear because when they, they have their guy on the scene, it sounds like they're trying to transmit through a cell phone. So a lot of the things, you'll hit the same rallies that they do, but I can hear yours much better because of the recording device you use. But, um, yeah, love the show. Keep it up. Also, my opinion, the printing press. Uh, because the printing press was so revolutionary, it made the information, made it information easier to get out. It gave the poor man information. Uh, another way, uh, the Cherokee Nation printed their own newspaper. So, uh, without this printing press, there would be a lot of things that, that the, uh, common man wouldn't have. Now, the internet, I think, is also revolutionary, but I think that if people would take the same approach, to the internet that they do with the printing press and really use it like you do 
and uh, use it as a way of getting out the truth instead of letting the, the media dictate, you know, uh, the terms. It would become more and more revolutionary. But um, power to the people and screw the directors because they, they got the deal that the writers wanted. I mean, I, I read the deal. I was just so pissed off. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is <laughs> residuals, Internet. <laughs> so, but anyway. That's about it. I just figured I'd share that little bit with you. If you have any questions, um, you can get a hold of me at Facebook. I also added you to my MySpace page. And because of adding you to my MySpace, I had uh, two other director sites, I mean, I'm sorry, writer sites, at, you know, request for friends. Uh, so you can reach me through Facebook, MySpace, or my cell phone at 912-5165. Take care now and have a good day. Thanks again, Michael, for answering a few of my questions. And you know, it's funny, I do another podcast that I honestly don't care to mention here right now. But I went to an event over the summer, and a guy came up to me and told me he was a coast-to-coast trucker, and he downloaded every single episode of my other podcast when he was on the road. So it really helps me take heart in knowing there's a real value for audio podcast. With things like YouTube and like the success of video podcasts like Ask a Ninja, I know that my audience is commuters, multitaskers, and other types of workers and athletes who need to have their eyes free. One final thing I would ask you to do for me, please, Michael, please, and also for any of my listeners who are subscribed through iTunes, and that is to please leave me a glowing, positive review on my iTunes page. All you have to do is launch iTunes, log into your account, and then click on my podcast, The Writer Strike Chronicles, and then click on Write a Review. Now, there's two podcasts called The Writer Strike Chronicles, and they're both mine. I just screwed up on encoding the feed for one, so that one should appear empty. But the second one will have all the episodes, which is currently at 71, available to download. And, uh... If you have a negative review, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Instead, what I'd ask you to do is contact me by sending me an email at info at strikechronicles.com and let me know what you really think. I mean, I'm not afraid to hear it, and I, you know, it's possible that I'll take your feedback and make adjustments to the podcast based on that. I don't know, but it's worth it, so please let me know either way. Okay, that's about it for now, so let's roll sound with Andrew Goldberg. My name is Andrew Goldberg. Uh, I'm the strike captain here at Fox for American Dad and Family Guy. Okay. What got you into the guild? I, about a year and a half ago, I wrote a pilot and then I wrote an episode of Family Guy. And it was those two things that got me in. Okay. How did it get you in? Tell us how you got in. Meaning, like, how did it, like, like they sent me a letter? <laughs> I'm, I'm, they said, uh, I'm give not, me your money. No, I'm saying I'm you not did. a writer, so I don't uh, even know how the process works. How do you submit a script? How does that work? Oh well, um, I actually used to work here at Fox at the studio in the comedy development department. They knew that I didn't want to be an executive, so they introduced me to Seth MacFarlane, who's the uh, creator Family Guy, and I started working for him as his assistant. How did they know that? How did you? Uh, uh, I, I how how did you act disgruntled in a way that <laughs> served you rather than cost you your job? Well, well, I worked hard and I did good work, and eventually the question kind of arose because I mean they, you know, I'd I'd been writing on my free time while I was there and asking them to read my stuff, and I know at one point the question arose like, do you want to? 
get promoted here or do you want to leave and work on the show and I said I want to leave and work on the show so yeah they introduced me to Seth and uh, while I was at Family Guy I pitched an idea for a pilot to my old bosses here at 20th and they bought that so I wrote that and then then I wrote a book for Family Guy and then I wrote I've written two scripts for Family Guy but after I wrote the first one I had accumulated enough points to join the guild yeah. So obviously the guild's been good to you then. I'm fortunate to be in the guild because I am somebody who is actually uh, taking advantage of their minimums. <laughs> Have you been a strike captain since it started? Yeah, the, toward the end of the first week is when uh, I started working as the strike captain for American Dad. And at the time, David Goodman was the strike captain for Family Guy. But then when negotiations resumed, he's on the negotiating committee. So he asked me to take over for him. So now I've got a team about 35 people. So you've been here since the beginning? Yeah, the first few days I picketed at CBS Beverly. It, it was nice. It was, it's like four blocks from my apartment. But, um, you know, it's nice to picket here too because I know a lot of people here at Fox. So, yeah. so tell me what, what your duties and how it's, how it's developed and being a strike captain since you started. Well, here at Fox, we rotate in terms of being coordinators on a shift. You know, calling the Teamster expert if there's any issues with Teamsters, uh, helping clean up. That's the main thing in the afternoon shift is kind of coordinating the cleanup so we leave it just as neat as when we showed up in the morning. Leave no trace. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the most time-consuming thing is you just get, you know, a ton of emails from, you know, from the communications committee or from the guild and kind of parsing through all those and figuring out what specifically your team needs to know. And for me, in terms of, like, I think other captains have more of a job in terms of policing people and trying to make sure everybody's picketing. For me, it's like everybody on my team kind of knows each other, so there's a good deal of peer pressure. You know, like, when somebody's not picketing, everybody knows it. So there's a little bit less of that than other captains have to deal with, fortunately. Have you had to hurt people more or less as the strike continues? A little more. I think, uh, and I think even for me, I think, one, you know, you... Having three weeks off over the holidays was nice, but it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's almost like picketing's almost like working out. Like, the more you do it, the easier it becomes, and it's tough to get back in the rhythm, and I think, uh, I think that might be an issue for some people these last few weeks. Do you have anything to do with Resolve? I don't think so. I think, um, and, you know, I think, and I get the question a lot, how's morale? And I think there's a big difference between morale and Resolve. Like, morale might not be high right now, but I think resolve is as high as it's ever been because three months into the strike, I've yet to hear a writer say, like, whoa, hold on, the deal that they offered us isn't so bad, let's reconsider. I mean, they haven't, you know, in a, in a way that is perhaps a tactical error on their part where they haven't even offered us something that could fracture the union in that way because everybody's pretty unanimous that what they've, you know, offered so far is not reasonable or tenable. Actually, I asked somebody this before, and I don't know if it applies exactly to the development end, but since you were in, you know, a more corporate end of things than you are now, does that give you any insight into the other, or not just insight, but sympathy or empathy to the other side of this than you might if you just simply had been a writer or nothing else, or, or no? If anything, it gives me sympathy for the people working in the studios who are, you know, now concerned for their job. My my wife actually works at, at NBC, and she's, you know, like a kind of a low-level junior executive, and I think a lot of people in her position and even higher and, and the assistants are worried about their jobs. And I think it's, you know, I think there's a big difference between 
those people and the people who are at the actual decision makers, who are you know the CEOs and the and the chairman of these companies, I don't think that by and large the executives at the individual studios. I think a lot of them believe that what we're asking for is fair, and I don't think that, you know, at the, at the very least, they're certainly not the decision makers in this situation. And, you know, I feel I feel bad for them and in a way amazed that they're not more upset at the higher-ups at their company who would rather, you know, put their jobs in jeopardy than make a deal with the writers. Because that's really what it's boiling down to at this point. The higher-ups are putting their jobs in Oh, uh, the higher ups are putting the rest of their employees' jobs in jeopardy. Yeah, no, not their own jobs. <laughs> their jobs are, are secure, I suppose. Are you taking hits from the people who are losing their job? Are you hearing anything from them? Have they actually crossed the lines to? I mean, not crossed the lines, but stepped up to the lines to pick it with you, or are they against you? Or, do you know? Well, I mean, in the in the beginning of the strike, I actually organized an assistance picket here, which had a, had a lot of because a lot of the assistants were let go in the first week or two of the strike. You know, if they worked for a writer who was out on strike. And um, a lot of assistants showed up for that to show support for the writers and to kind of show that they understood that it wasn't the writers who cost them their jobs, but the people who actually fired them, which seems simple. But I think that the way the studios have been trying to spin it, you know, they're trying to blame us for them firing people. And there was one or two assistants at that time who contacted me who were a little ambivalent about, you know, like... I'm not sure I feel comfortable because while I don't necessarily blame the writers, it is the writer's strike that cost me my job. But I think after a couple of conversations, both the people who had those issues, and those were two people out of hundreds, kind of came around to the idea that they did want to you know, come out and support. But in terms of the, the latest round of layoffs, I had... Warner Brothers, you mean? With Warner Brothers. I, I, I heard of one person who saw the sign that was up in Warner Brothers that said... Uh, Warner's, it says something along the lines, Warner's would rather fire 10,000 employees than negotiate with the writers. And Is it 10,000 employees? I'm sorry, 1,000 employees, okay. right? I would rather fire 1,000 employees than negotiate with the writers. And they, uh, they came up to somebody and said, and thanked them for their support. But otherwise, there hasn't been a ton of contact between the employees inside the studio and outside on the picket lines, at least. I mean, I have friends who work inside the studio, and most of our conversations basically just consist of them being concerned about when they have to start worrying about their own jobs. What do you tell them? I don't know, is the answer. I mean, like, the the truth is, the only person that can... You know, there's you know, a couple of people at the top of their company that can answer that question for them. It's the same, it's the same answer I give when somebody asks me when the strike is going to be over. It's, it's going to be over when the CEOs want it to be over. We've asked this of a bunch of people. You, uh, I mean, obviously you're a comedy guy, but you're now probably encountering a lot of different kinds of writers that you wouldn't normally encounter. What's that been like? Has that been edifying at all? I mean, meaning- I really enjoy it. I mean, I think it's great. I, I had surgery on my nose last month, and I so I was I wasn't able to pick it for about three weeks, and I really actually felt removed. Not, the, yeah. You can't see that at yeah. all for those <laughs> of you wondering what his nose was, looks like. It was the inside of my nose. It was nothing cosmetic. I mean, you might have been yeah. wondering what his nose looked like anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but now you must be really wondering, and I'm here to tell you it looks great. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a Jennifer Aniston nose now. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, I, I actually missed being on the picket line because you do feel a little bit removed as opposed to when you're out here every day, you know, talking with, with your peers and other writers. There's a sense of community that builds and just a sense that you're kind of more plugged in. And it's great, you know, especially for somebody who's kind of starting out in his career like me to meet a whole bunch of different writers and, you know, hear about their careers and what they've learned and where they're coming from. Do you consume or download, stream any new media? And if so, what are you watching? I've tried to stop. I mean, it's like, I, uh, I mean, for instance, like a couple months ago, one of my friends was writing a Grey's Anatomy, and I don't watch the show, and I'd never seen it, and I had to watch a couple episodes, so I watched them on ABC.com and watched all their advertisements, and now looking back on it, like, I have more of an awareness that, you know, all those advertisements were, uh, no residuals were going to any of our members. Well, that's the true test of a compulsion is whether you can stop yourself from doing it when it harms others as well as right. yourself. Yeah. And <laughs> so there you go. Now, I see by the hat, which has the moniker of a team whose name I dare not mention, that you're from the East Coast. You must have friends in the Writers Guild East, and have you been keeping in touch with them? Is there any anything they have to report that's a little different than out here? Or... Uh, I actually don't know that I know anybody in the Writers Guild East, but I do know a couple of writers out here who were in New York for an extended period of time and went out and picketed in New York, and it sounds similar, you know, in terms of what their resolve is, and I gotta say, I, uh, my hat goes off to them, because it's not, you know, it's 70 degrees and sunny out here right now, and it, it has not been that kind of weather in New York, like, that's some... You know, that's some real picketing. I know yeah. I picketed one day in the rain at NBC and I got sick. I can't imagine what they're dealing with, you know, picketing and the cold and the snow and all that. You know, it just occurred to me, when people drive by and honk for support in New York, how would you be able to know that that's, a, <laughs> that that's honking that for support? or just It's not just know. an irate motorist. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anybody that's know? a good point. <laughs> I never thought of that till now. Yeah. Before we go, is there anything that you feel like uh, people, is there any misconception people have about this strike that you, as somebody in the middle of it, would like to clear up? Yeah, I mean, I think especially the last month or so, a lot of the focus has been on, you know, what tactical mistakes that the leadership of the WGA might have made and and what, you know, what we've done wrong, perhaps. But I think uh, it's important to keep the focus on the fact that it doesn't matter who our leadership was and what they were doing for the past three months because the AMPTP didn't want to make a deal with us anyway. They had no intention, you know. Nobody in the world could have made a deal with them for us. So uh, I think it's important to just keep the focus on the fact that they're uh, trying to cheat us out of the Internet. One last question. Uh, which do you think was a more uh, important invention, the Internet or the printing press? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... Up until this point, probably the printing press, but, you, you know, you'd have to ask me again in 20 Up years. Up until the point yeah. the internet was invented? What yeah. do you mean? Up until today, right now, probably the printing press, but if you asked me that same question in 20 years, the answer might be different. So at this point, yeah. the internet is the most important invention to you? Well, yeah, I guess to me. Right, right, but, right, right. Yeah, because I... I certainly don't read books anymore. I mean, that's that's for losers. <laughs> any, any, any kids listening out there, books are for losers. Watch TV. <laughs> Just don't download yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Watch, watch TV. Stream. Yeah. Right. Or stream. Yeah. 
watch TV and come give me money. <laughs> it would be my message to the youth out there. <laughs> Spoken like a true Mets fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Green, thank you very much. Goldberg. Oh. Yeah. It's the green hat. It's the green, the green hat, hat, yeah. <laughs> Goldberg, right. That'll be, my, that'll be my alias. Okay. <laughs> that'll be my loan out company, Mr. Green. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. your time. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to the Rider Strike Chronicle podcast, available for free through iTunes. For more information, visit us at www.strikechronicles.com. To contact us, please call 310-439-8754 or send us an email at info at strikechronicles.com.